Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Good morning, church family. Hope you're doing well. How Are we all good? Hanging in there? Thumbs up. All right. Excited to, uh, to get into God's Word together today. As I was uh, a couple weeks ago laughing with some friends around our Chasing Humility theme, it occurred this may not have been a wise choice for a year-long theme. Chasing Humility may have been a better, maybe like six-week focus, and then we're off of it because uh, when we pray, Lord, would you create humility in me, that's a prayer he is faithful to answer. And the way he answers, humility looks great on paper, doesn't it? Like, man, that's a, that's a great virtue. But when we actually have to practice it, <laughs> it can be painful. The, the, the things God uses, the circumstances that, that he uses to confront our pride and free us from our pride, it, it's a, uh, it can be a, a hard situation. So I was thinking, hey, this year, what if we just shared our humility stories with each other when they occur? And we can encourage each other, spur one another on. I, they come in a variety of ways. One that occurred, I came to my mind, I was thinking about, uh, I hopped up here to preach, fired up, hit that stair, and tripped. Thankfully, I caught myself, but it was one of those loud, and if you were here, you may remember that, but we, we all laughed together. But then I recovered and got to what I hoped was a, a life-changing message. So on Tuesday, we're debriefing with the staff, you know, highlights from the weekend, and guess what topped the list of highlights? It was the trip. <laughs> like, oh, what, what about the, uh, was there not enough? No. <laughs> and just a reminder, hey, it's, uh, I'm not as important as I think I am. So, but uh, today we begin a series that I'm excited about. It's called Sweet Sanity, Humility in Motion. And as we think about sanity, sanity is thinking correctly about life. It's seeing life accurately so that we can live in light of that, that reality. And there's a sweetness to sanity when we, we come out of not seeing life accurately, and we're actually, life as we live now, it's working for us, and working as it was meant to work, as God created it to work. Pride is the great insanity, isn't it? Thinking that um, being wise in my own eyes, I know what's best, uh, thinking that I'm at the center of, you know, what's going on. The, I'm the epicenter of, of the universe. We wouldn't say that, but, but seeing life from that perspective. Um, even thinking it's my life and I can make it work. I can make it happen. Humility is the antidote to pride. It restores our sanity, helps us see accurately. And humility, uh, sweet sanity is humility in motion. So we've been studying over the past six weeks what is humility, why it matters, and pursuing it. And I, I, many of us made a commitment, I'm in, I'm going to be chasing humility this year. But it's more than just understanding what it is and even desiring to have it. We have to practice it. Um, it it's, we're called to, to live in a life that's marked by it. And so that's the sweet sanity that, that we're headed for, humility in motion. And to help us, the pace setter that God has given us through his word is a guy named James. And so we're going to be pacing with James. I'm excited. We're going to go through his letter, verse by verse, 
up till Christmas, then we'll take a break for Christmas, and then we'll jump back into his letter to, to start the new year. But he'll be leading us in this pursuit of, of humility in motion, sweet sanity. So if you would, join me there in James chapter 1, verse 1. He introduces himself, his greeting. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. And so quick context, we know James is the brother of Jesus, which is, that's a pretty unique perspective. And we learn, we see it in Acts 15, he's one of the key leaders of the church in Jerusalem. He's an important figure for the church. But did you notice how he describes himself? And and as we pursue humility, you can just see, he he uses the word, he's not name dropping or like, hey, I'm the Messiah's brother or I'm way up in the church or any of these things, not trying to build up his credibility. He just says, I'm a servant of the Lord. And it's the word in the Greek that's literally slave, doulos. So so he's just, you see his, his humility in this. And notice who he's writing to. It's the 12 tribes scattered throughout uh, the nations. These are He's referring to the tribes of Israel. So Jerusalem, a church primarily of Jews. So he's writing to Jews, which is helpful as we work our way through the book. It's one of the first books of the New Testament written, scholars feel it's written in AD 42, thereabouts. And so where you see when Paul writes a letter, he writes, he's writing often to, to uh, the Gentiles. He lays a theological foundation and then practical application. James doesn't necessarily get into the theological foundation. He's assuming that. He just comes out swinging on practical application. And so what's, what makes James unique as a book is it is high challenge. I mean, it is um, life application from the get-go. In of 108 verses, 54 of them are imperatives, commands. Go, 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 go. So it's almost like, okay, life coach. Um, we know James says, okay, based on who God is, who we are, here we go. And so... It'll be a challenging series, but a good series, so are, are we ready? Ready to get into it? All right, here we go. Verse 2, he says, consider it pure joy. Pausing right there, I think it's significant that the first four words of his entire letter are consider it, what kind of joy? Like pure joy, all joy. Just thinking about, one, the tone with which James is coming at us. He's going to be hard-hitting truth, but it's coming from a heart. He loves us, or loves the people that he's writing to, but one of joy. And I was thinking about, as followers of Christ, what is our great, and one of the great inheritance, part of our inheritance, it's, it's this reality of joy, isn't it? Even coming to church this morning, it's, why, why Sunday morning? Resurrection, celebration that we gather as followers of Christ. Joy is, is the result of our salvation. It's living in that reality that I'm an adopted child of God, son of, daughter of God, dearly loved. Joy is a gift from God. We know it's a fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of God within us is creating it, but it's also a quality that we're called to pursue throughout Scripture. As we see here, this is actually a command. It's in the imperative. Consider it pure joy. Think about um, what's coming with joy. And what makes this especially uh, unique is this is written to people who are, as Pastor Tyson mentioned, those who are persecuted, those in the first century, many of these folks are enduring persecution. We know uh, James himself will be martyred for his faith. And so um, he, this is real, what, what he's going through. And 
he's writing, though, to encourage us in our own faith journey. And he starts with this, um, consider it pure joy. So reading on, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. One day this past week, I stepped out of the office to hear a screams, a little kid screaming. And so as I'm making my way down the hallway, I bump into Chelsea Nyer and a group of kids, and there was this little boy just crying, and he had a red mark on his head. Come to find out, he had just face-planted into one of our, of our super clean windows at the door, and we've all been there. And just like, oh, you're just going along, happy, 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 and pop. And that's the sensation we get as we're reading this text. Consider a pure joy, and then pop. Trials of many kinds, harsh reality. The God uh, introduces to us here is trials, they, they will be reality. Trials are coming for your life and for your, my, my life. And notice, it's significant that he says, he doesn't say, if you face trials of many kind. What's he say? Whenever you face trials of many kind. I'm thankful that God, through James, is just, uh, he's very honest and he doesn't sugarcoat it for us. There's some hard truth that, that he takes us into right off the bat, but throughout the, the letter of James, we'll, we'll be confronted with reality, but truth that we need to know. The reality is trials are coming our way. And as you think about the forecast of your life, it's, it can be unsettling, can it? Just to know that, yeah, storms are, storms are coming. The bad news gets worse, as he says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, it's not like you're going to have, you know, a handful of trials in your life. Rather, it's many kinds, many trials, many different. It's, a, it's the, uh, the word carries the idea of multicolored, multifaceted trials we will face in our lives. This week as I was thinking about our church family and praying through our church family and, and many of your faces were coming to mind, it was overwhelming just to see that I, I saw this, trials of many kinds and just a a vivid way, and there's big trials, there's little trials, there's those trials that are, uh, that just alter our lives and, and take us to our knees, there's the frustrating trials that aren't as big, but, but are still very real, financial trials, relational trials, health trials, emotional trials, work trials, decision trials, school trials, family trials, big trials. I think of Linda Edwards as this week she spent with her mom in the hospice and uh, by her side and just learned from Amber that she went home to be with the Lord last night. Her mom did. And, and tough moments uh, as we prayed for Bonnie Flater. Um, her father passed away this past week and we continue to pray for her family. There's the marathon trials as Tyson prayed for Amy Goins. Recently had little Lila wanting to be with her newborn girl, and yet she ha has this infection that she's trying to recover from, and it's been over, I think, three weeks she's been in the hospital, in or out, and she's in a marathon of a trial, unexpected trials. You know, you wake up to an ordinary day with um, Jim Harrell, who's normally back greeting at the door. He, Wednesday, was with his uh, group of pr guys and praying Wednesday morning here at church, having coffee donuts, and Jim has a medical issue, he has heart, heart issues, and so wondering what's going on, Ambi he's being, you know, wheeled into an ambulance, and then has been in the hospital here at Hendricks, thankfully his heart is okay, his 
um, did not have a stroke or anything, but still in the process of figuring out what's going on. We're praying for Jim, but wake up to that ordinary day and then boom, here's the trial. John Roberts, we've been praying for him. He's the guy that he helps with coffee in the back, but runs, you know, eight miles daily almost up and down Mackey, um, feeling funny and ends up, he's has a, his heart valve and infection is there on his heart valve. And this past week, Tuesday, open heart surgery. He's good. Um, they fixed that. And hopefully tomorrow he'll be coming home. But trials, they, they're coming, aren't they? And it can be unsettling. How do we process this harsh reality? As you think about your own life and the trials that will be coming your way. And God equips us here as we read on. It says in verse 2, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, here it comes, because you know. You know something. How can we consider it pure joy? We know something. We know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So here God is helping us. Uh, adopt a new mindset. It's a mindset shift, and I put it this way. Consider it pure joy knowing I need this trial. I, I need this trial that I'm in. How is it that, that we consider it, can consider it pure joy when we're feeling the pain? And This doesn't mean we, we're not authentic with our pain and we grieve our pain and process our, our pain in a, a healthy way, but how can we with that pain also consider it pure joy? And it's here God is giving us some knowledge from his perspective, that, that we're to hang on to and know and trust. And it is this. When we're going through a trial, what did he say? The testing of your faith. So our faith, which is the firm confidence in our God, to be faithful, to see us through, the faith that's based on his word and his character, that faith will be tested. And when it's tested, it will produce perseverance. The word perseverance is that idea of enduring grip, bearing up under it, and carrying on, trusting him with the moment. And as that perseverance does its work, so in the midst of the trial and the perseverance, God creates in us a maturity, a spiritual maturity, and I love the way that he, he stacks several words, so that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. So God's desire for you is that you would grow up to be like Christ. If you do life, it's not that you would stay an infant or a toddler spiritually, but that you would grow up to maturity. Now, we know we can't be perfect until heaven, but you can, based on the Word of God, and this is His desire for your life, is that you would be mature. Teleon is the word, which means uh, you've come through um, infancy, uh, adolescence, and now you are strong adult, ready to do the good that he created you to do for his glory, the good of those around you, and your own joy. Fulfill your life mission. But the only way you get to that point of maturity, to be strong, the word uh, complete is you've got everything you need, and then not liking anything is without deficit. There's nothing uh, causing you to not be strong. You're ready for the calling. The only way that we get there is through the trial. It's through the trial. But God is faithful in those moments of trial, growing our faith, giving us what we need so that we may be mature like Christ. This is the sweet sanity. So when a trial comes your way, 
the normal reaction as a human, and we are prone to fear, aren't we? And by the way, the enemy's great weapon is fear. So here comes it, you're cruising down the road, you wake up, new day of life, and oh, there's a storm, there's a mountain. What's our reaction? Normally it's to fear. Ha, huh, my life is over. I'm going to lose this, lose that. Ah, it's, we, we live like a cat in a room full of rocking chairs, just freaked out and, ah, oh, you know, but, but with this sweet sanity, it changes how we see the mountain, right? This is seeing it from God's perspective, and it's now, no, I, can, I consider it pure joy. Here it comes, because I know I need this trial. God's about to do a work in my heart as I bear up and persevere through this time. Here we go. It's time to grow. So the question, in what way this year is God going to cultivate and create within your soul humility? As we pray, Lord, make me humble like Christ. What, what's he going to do to create humility in your heart? The tough news is he's going to use a trial. The good news is he's going to, um, through that trial, provide the opportunity for you to persevere. And persevering through that, uh, he will do the work that, that only he can do. I was thinking about our uh, youth pastor, Kyle Fox, and man, it, he had a tough year last year, humility trial when he was helping a buddy cut wood and slipped off and put an axe into his foot. And so he had to, you know, hobble around, limp around for about six months and recover from that. 27 years old, prime of life, and here he is, you know, hobbling around. Tough. But the, I think the toughest part was people ask, hey, what, what happened, man? Are you okay? And like, yeah, well, how'd you do it? Put an axe in my foot. And then you have to listen to 101 ways how not to put an axe in your foot, right? <laughs> he knew not to put an axe in me. Oh, man, humbling. But it was neat to see him bear up and persevere through that and God do, do his work in him. So there's a, a uh, try, I, I call this a life hack. I'm, I'm developing a sheet where I'm just, those things that help make sense of life as we accumulate um, wisdom, but also through God's word. And this is, I call this the life hack trial map. Theology of trials, basically. So when a trial comes, and what's helpful, it helps me orient. I'll share it with you, and it may be helpful. There's several categories that emerge throughout Scripture that were different kinds of uh, trials that come our way. And the, the test is the one that we're in today, First Peter. Prune is the John 15, where God takes something good out of our lives because he wants us focused on something better, and we become more fruitful for him. The uh, evil is the evil, when the evil day comes, Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, important to know this truth that not every day is equal in terms of the battle. And he says, there be strong in the Lord, and when the evil day comes, and then equips us for that moment. And then the discipline is where when we choose to do our own will versus God's will, if we're his child as a loving father, he will discipline us. And Hebrews chapter 12 is the text. That discipline is painful. He, he, will, he will use a trial to um, check us up. And now why are these important to know or why are these helpful? And there's a, a large overlap here where there's little bits of often um, each of these are, are present. But why are these helpful? And it's the response. So when we're being pruned, the big response is submit. Often when God cuts off a limb to make us more fruitful, a part of our life that we like, it's a good thing, but it, it, we're, we're, we're focusing on things that are taking away from the best thing. What do we want to do with that limb? Duct tape it back on. Like, oh, I don't want to lose that. And it's like, no, just submit to the gardener. You know, let him do his work. 
when the evil day comes, what's the, the big call of Ephesians 6? Armor up, armor up. Put on the armor of God, the full armor of God. And he gives us the list, the helmet and the sword and the shield and those things. When discipline comes, what's our response? And it's repent. It's turn. And when we turn, he, he lifts the discipline. But when the test comes, what, what's our response? So that's where we are today. When you're facing one of these many multifaceted trials, what's the response? When the trial comes, what are we thinking and what are we saying to each other? Are we saying, watch out, run? No, what are we saying through James? And, and here's the challenge of the day. It is this, persevere, persevere, persevere. We see this in verse 4 as he says, let perseverance, and it's a command, let perseverance finish its work. So interesting that as we are persevering, a work is happening. He says, let it finish its work. Don't jump out too soon so that you may be mature, complete, and not lacking anything. So there is a soul-maturing process that happens as we persevere. Again, the, this word persevere carries, it's a compound word in the Greek where, where it means to remain under, and it carries the idea of um, more than enduring begrudgingly, like, grumble, 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 can't wait till this is over. Rather, it's in, it, that's where I, I feel like the word persevere gives us a better feeling. It's triumphantly enduring, knowing God's at work, and knowing when I get to the end of this trial, I'm going to come up out of this thing stronger, more like Christ. And it's trusting God's work in that. I believe this. I'm trusting this. And so persevere is the call. The... Uh, can imagine James here just picturing these people he's writing to and he's seeing questions pop to their minds as they look, say, okay, this is good on paper, but how's this work out in, in everyday life? And he anticipates three questions. The first one is, how do we persevere when our trial leads us to some confusion? Trials can be disorienting and often they take us to places we haven't been before. It's new territory for life. How do we persevere when, when we're in a new spot and it's hard? We're not sure which way to go. We're confused. What God gives us in verses 5 to 8 is one of the most precious promises in Scripture for going through our trials. And uh, we'll go ahead and read it. It's a, a precious promise. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, there's com confusion, wisdom is skill in living, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Isn't that great? It's like, ask the Lord for wisdom. When we lack it, I love the word uh, he uses generously to all. So our God is a generous God and delights to give generously this wisdom. And it's without finding fault. And what's James getting at there is when, when we come to God often, um, there's that tendency that, will he really help me? And I've got myself in this mess possibly, or we just shy away. And he's like, God's not going to be finding fault with you as you come to him in need. Just come, come. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But it comes with a qualifier. He says, when you ask, believe. So this is, he says, uh, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So there's a, 
um, this is where we're, we're trusting God at one moment, and then the next moment we're like, eh, should I really follow his will? And we're, we're bouncing back and forth. As we come to ask, we have to ask, saying, Lord, as you show the wisdom I need, I will follow. So our prayer in the midst of the trial is not only, Lord, get me out of this, but Lord, transform me through this. Um, and what's the, what do we need wisdom for often in, in a trial? It's how to make the most of it. Lord, help me understand what you're doing in this situation. This week I was even, uh, for whatever reason, I was struggling to consider it joy and just not feeling the joy. And it was a battle. And I was even asking, Lord, give me the wisdom to know how to consider it joy. What, what's that look like in this, um, this week of my life? And so we're, we're asking him, Lord, help me join you. Give me the wisdom to join you in, in the work you're doing in my heart. So today, if, if you were to name your trial, and I'm guessing we all have a, a trial that we're going through, um, if you were to name that and have a picture of that, the next question would be, have you asked God for wisdom on how to, to navigate that? Think about what a gift, God's wisdom, one prayer away, or one ask away. But have you found the tendency in your own heart to, I'll figure this out on my own, and then if I need help, I'll ask the Lord, and I go, oh, <laughs> what a great reflex to, as we're going through a trial, ask for wisdom. Illustration, I was, uh, one of the goals this summer was to get our trim on our house painted before the snow flies, and so all summer, I'm kind of looking at it and thinking, forming my plan, and I'm a painter by trade. I uh, had a little mini painting business with a buddy back in seminary in Dallas, and so I know how to paint, right? Well, I, and I painted every house that we've lived in, so I'm pretty confident in my painting skills, but I don't know how to paint like Jim Harrell knows how to paint. Um, he's been painting since long time. Joan, how many years? 40 years of knowledge every week. And so I don't know what it was. God gave me the grace. Maybe it's chasing humility or I'm like, hey, I'll ask him for advice. He, I bet he could help me on this. So one day he, he was back at this door in church. I was like, hey, Jim, paint the trim. Would you spray that or would you roll it and, and brush it? Roll it and brush it, no doubt. Okay, what kind of paint would you use? And he's like, well, you do. He's like, actually, how about I just pick up the supplies, you pay me back. I'm like, yeah, you don't have to do that? Yeah, I'll do it. All right, it's good. The paint he picked was, oh, I mean, it just went on. Beautiful covering. Easy to put on. He, he uh, bought this roller that I would have never bought. Fluffy roller that, like, it, it was, seemed to me way too fluffy. But it rolled on those gutters, just perfect cover. I mean, beautiful. He, a bucket that was the perfect size when you're up on a ladder, not too heavy, not too light, enough paint. You could put the uh, roller, would stick right there. But then the brush, which normally just drops down into your paint gets all messed up it had a magnet where it stuck to the side of the the thingy and that paint job was it was fun actually to do this how many times I was just like Lord thank you for Jim and thank you for giving me the grace to ask what if I had not asked Jim for advice would have gotten it done but it might have been much less enjoyable and and <laughs> the finished product not quite as nice to look at and then I thought about my life and what a gift God has given the creator of the universe saying, hey, when you lack wisdom for this season, ask me, ask me, and I will give generously to you. 
the next step, the wisdom that you need. He is faithful to do that. The second question that comes to mind as we're navigating a trial is when it begins to hit our resources, our finances. How do we persevere when our trial impacts our finances? Some of the people that James was writing to, probably most of them, following Jesus would have a financial implication on their lives. For some, it would mean going down into a season of poverty. He deals with them, but he also deals with those who are um, in a season of wealth. And so he says this to, the, uh, to those who are poor. Verse 9, believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. And then to those who are rich, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Since they will pass away like a wildflower, for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go with their business. And so um, when the trial leaves you wondering, will I have enough? Or you, leaves you feeling, I am less because I don't have as much. James is saying, remember your identity in Christ. To the poor, he's saying, remember your high position, that you're a child of God. (laughs) Stuff irrelevant to your value. Remember your position in the world. You you are the light of the world. You bear the gospel, and God's using even your, in your poverty, he's going to use that and you to do his will. And remember your high position. I think within the body of Christ, he's, he's reminding us that as brothers and sisters in Christ, the church does not care about economic status and income. It, we are all um, at the same level in, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And he's reminding those who are in a season of poverty to remember that. But those who are in a season of wealth, he's reminding them to remember your identity. And, and notice what he says, you're the... Uh, <laughs> He quotes Isaiah 40, but he's like, remember you're just like a a little flower out in the field, here today, gone tomorrow. And what's the great trial for a person who has wealth, those who are rich? And it would probably be most of us in this culture that we live. The great trial for us, the affliction of affluence is we put our hope and trust in our money rather than in God. And here James is equipping us as we go through the trials, um, keep your hope in the Lord. Um, Remember who truly holds your life and preserves your life. It's not our money, but it's him. And then the third uh, question that comes to mind as we weather the trial, how do we persevere when we're just struggling with discouragement and the trial begins to wear us down? And I love the picture that he gives us in verse 12. It's a picture of the finish line and it just fills us with hope. Verse 12, he says, blessed or happy, is the one who perseveres under trial. So there's that call again to persevere. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. This crown of life is the picture of life as it was meant to be. Um, Life at its very best that the Lord has promised to those who love him. And so when you're enduring a trial and Struggling with discouragement, here God is calling us to look up, look up, look up. Remember what's coming. It's finish line focus. Fix your eyes on that good day coming when we finish our race. Receive the promise life that God has get promises to those who love him. I love the way he ends this, to those who love him. Reminding us, what's the why behind our run? Like what's motivating us? As we go, and it's our love for the Lord, isn't it? The treasure isn't necessarily even the crown of life. 
it's that opportunity to do life with him, to be with him and, and uh, to walk with him. Think about, as we fix our eyes on our Lord today, this is how he finished his race, isn't it? As Jesus ran through the toughest part of his race, the cross, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, he fixed his eyes, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And just reminding us again today, as we weather our trials to be fixing our eyes on the finish line. So, bringing it all together, the the challenge of today, as as we set out to... uh, sweet sanity, see life as it is, that we might live it as we should. It's to persevere through our trials. Say, okay, um, trials are coming. We're we're called to persevere through them and even to consider it joy as we do. So when when we're going through a trial, we know James equips us those moments that we'll be confused. We pray for wisdom. God provides the direction that we need, those moments that we wonder about our, circum- our uh, resources, am I going to have enough? We know that um, he will provide. He, he will be faithful to do that. And in the times that we're tired and discouraged, we're keeping our eyes on that finish line and knowing it will be worth it. It will be worth it as we persevere through this trial. As we wrap up, I, I thought it'd be neat just to picture a kitchen table together and your, maybe your family table. I as I was picturing the kitchen table, a moment came to, to mind of our family where we gathered a couple years ago. It was a beautiful after, beautiful evening. Um, our son Chad was just about to start grad school. Jesse was just about to uh, start college. Tam was about to go back to school and kind of that new season feeling. We're sitting around this table and, and just seeing the mountain ahead of our, our, our two kids, you know, the challenges that were they were going to go climb. And as parents, what do you want to do? You love your kids more than life. You want to prevent them from any sort of pain. You want to take, take the challenge away. I wish I could go climb the mountain for you or, you know, weather the storms for you. But what do we know? If we were to take the trial away, the storm away or the challenge away, it would cripple them. It would leave them infants, toddlers, the strength that they needed for their life mission would, would be developed through climbing the mountain. So what do we do as parents in those moments? And we give them a testimony of God's faithfulness. We say, you know what? We've, we've been down the road just a little further, and we can tell you this. He is faithful. And, and so when fear threatens to, to create anxiety in your heart or bring tears to your eyes, consider it pure joy. If you have to lean on our faith, know this, that yeah, it's going to be hard, and yeah, it's going to look dark, and yeah, it's going to test you to your break point, but know this, our God is faithful. And it's your race, you're going to have to run it, but as you do, remember this, persevere, 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 because God is at work shaping something in you. And I picture God through James this morning gathering with us as his kids at the kitchen table and looking us in the eye. And the first thing he says is, consider it pure joy, my child. Don't lose your joy. Life's going to be hard and at times really hard. But don't lose your joy. Because know this, even in this hard time, this test, I'm shaping something in you. And it has an eternal glory as it grows in you. The character of Christ 
it will be there for when your life mission is being lived out for my glory, the good of the people around you, and your joy. So keep on. Persevere, persevere, persevere. And when you get confused and like, which way? Ask me for wisdom. I've got it. (laughs) And I delight to give it. And when you wonder, am I going to have enough money? Oh, yeah. I've got you with that. And when you get down and discouraged, fix your eyes on the finish line. See that moment that we lock eyes and you enter my embrace. I'm going to give you a crown of life, life at its very best for eternity. So persevere, persevere, persevere. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. And just... uh, hearing you a word of encouragement for our trial. Thank you for the reality that you give us, the sweet sanity that it's not going to be easy, that it is hard, and yet there's hope in the heart, and that hope is in what you're doing in our hearts, and I thank you for that. Lord, help us to persevere. It's, I pray for my brothers and sisters here today, and especially those, even those who aren't with us. I think of Larry and Diana. I think of Pam and Gavin, think of Amy and Jim and those watching online who are in that battle. I think each one of us here probably have a trial that we're weathering. And just pray, God, your grace. Would you use your word today to just metabolize into that perseverance that would help us live for your glory? Receive what you would like to give us. And Lord, we thank you for this. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.